I have noticed that a lot of people these days are becoming less and less religious, maybe even anti-religious. And I reckon I can understand why people feel like that. You kind of feel like there are two options, right? You could choose to be the religious guy. The religious guy's favorite word is no. He keeps a list of, of the rules and he ticks all the boxes. Being the religious guy, it's hard work and it's boring. And at the end of the day, it turns you into the sort of person that looks down on everybody else. Or, alternatively, you could choose to be the guy that says, ah, stuff it. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to join a band and grow my hair and get a tattoo and try drugs and fall in love and hope I don't get anybody pregnant. Or, or whatever it looks like for you. The main thing is you say, stuff the rules. Stuff the religious guys. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm just going to do what I want. Now, if that's the choice, then I'm not surprised that people are choosing not to be religious. But which side would God be on? I think you'd be surprised. This part of the Bible says that God is not actually on either of those sides. They're actually both deadly places to be. You know, Christianity, when it first started, wasn't even considered a religion. The Romans called them atheists. It was a non-religion. No religion had ever been like this in the history of the world. Have you realized that every religion is spelt the same way? D-O, I know it's lame, but it spells do. Every religion in the world is based around a list of things that you do. So Hinduism is based around karma. If you do evil, you will get evil. And so your karma determines how you'll be reincarnated. If you've been good in your past life, you'll reap the benefits in your reincarnation life. Or Buddhism says you've got to do the Eightfold Path. It's also about karma. If you do good, good will happen to you. If you're a Muslim, you believe that you will go to paradise if you do good deeds. Even for Catholics, if you do the things you're supposed to do and don't do the things you're not supposed to do, then you go to heaven, which means you do go to mass, you do the sacraments, uh, and if you do do the thing you're not supposed to do, you go to the priest and do the thing the priest tells you to do to undo the thing that you did that you weren't supposed to do. It's all about do. And that's every religion in the world. They all say, you know there's a problem. Here's what you got to do to fix it. Even most Australians think that. As long as I do the right thing, I'll be okay. And Jesus comes into this. And Jesus says, whoa, you guys have got it all wrong. And so he tells a story. Now, this isn't just a chick flick to warm our hearts. No, Jesus wants us to see ourselves in this story. He wants us to see that there's something missing from our lives. And here's Jesus' point. Everything that you've ever heard and everything that you've ever thought about how to approach God is wrong. You don't have to choose between being the religious guy and the guy that says, ah, stuff it. There's another way. And tonight, we'll actually see why the religious guys were offended by Jesus and the people furthest from religion were actually drawn to him. Now, it's a story about two sons. On that piece of paper you got there, have a look at verse number 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Now, who do you guys think the father is? 
God, easiest question you get all night. Good work. The Father's God, and each of these sons shows a way of approaching God or a wrong idea of a way of approaching God. The younger son, he shows you the first wrong idea. This guy thinks this. He thinks, I've blown it so bad, there's no way I could come back to God. Now, when you read the story, you see why, because this younger brother has basically done the big stuff you to his dad. Look at verse number 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Now, when would a son normally get his share of everything the father has? When his father dies. So what's this guy saying? He's saying this, basically, Dad, I wish you were dead so I can have your money. Now, you can imagine in that culture, that is an insanely offensive and disrespectful and hurtful thing to say. You can imagine, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. And then he bails on his family and he does a runner. Have a look at verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, you know what he's doing there, right? Wild living. He's the party boy. He's moved to Las Vegas. He's hit, well, not actually. In the, it's, it's a story, yeah? Uh, and he's hitting up the bars and the clubs and the casinos. And verse 30 actually tells you he's, he's picking up prostitutes. This guy is living it up. He doesn't care about the rules. YOLO is basically his attitude. Now, he's a bit like Corey Worthington. Does anyone remember this guy with the hat and the glasses right there? Corey Worthington. A few years back, this 16-year-old guy um, decided he was going to throw a party in his house while his parents were away on holidays. So he spreads the word on Facebook. And 500 teenagers show up and everybody gets drunk and the cars in the streets get destroyed. The police send the dog squad and then helicopters. The next morning, people wake up, they don't have any clothes on and, and he's interviewed on TV. And this is what he wears on his interview on TV. Kind of like some fur hoodie, no shirt, glasses, lad cap. And, and he's basically on this interview saying, I don't care. She's like, what do your parents think? He says, I've been, they've been trying to call me. I'm not picking up. She says to him, what would you say to other kids who are thinking of partying when their parents are out of town? You know what he says? Get me to do it for you. Best party ever so far. That's what they've been saying. Get me to do it for you. That's the guy in this story. This is the party boy, the younger brother. And then he finds out that living the life is not as good as he thought it would be. Look at what happens in verse number 14. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he's out of money. Everything's kind of falling apart. So he gets a job, verse number 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, you don't understand how disgusting that job would have been. To the Jewish people, as this guy was, there was no animal as disgusting as pigs. This is the equivalent job of cleaning public toilets today. I'm sorry if that's your job. I've actually been a professional toilet cleaner. It's not very fun. And this job didn't even pay enough money to fill his belly. Look at verse 16. This is crazy. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. 
but no one gave him anything. Now, you know things are bad when you're jealous of what pigs are eating. Okay, life tip for you if you want to know how things are going in my life. If you're jealous of pig food, not a good sign. Okay? He's thinking to himself, this, this isn't how I imagined it. This life, it's not as good as I thought it would be. And guys, if you run from God, nothing that you try to live for will be satisfying. It will either fail you or it will fail to fill you. And you'll still feel empty. You know, Jim Carrey, the actor, the comedian, he's got it all. I want you to listen to what he says. I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know it's not the answer. Now, don't we see this over and over again? The people who think they've got it all, the people who do have it all, who live the dream, they're still not happy. Depression rates are the highest they've ever been despite the fact that living conditions and education and wealth is the greatest it's ever been. It's because we're looking in the wrong place. Nothing in this world can fill us. There's no wave big enough. There's no movie good enough. There's no girl hot enough. You know, I think C.S. Lewis nailed it when he said this. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. You know, God designed you and I for a relationship with him. And you can try to fill that hole with anything else. You'll still feel empty. Disney says, do what makes you happy. Jesus says, you've actually got no idea what will make you happy. And there's actually a lesson here about sin and our desires. Don't trust them. People think that God's laws are like fences. Fun's outside. The the fences are here to stop me having fun. No. God's commands are more like boundaries and warning signs that keep us where the good stuff is and keep us away from the junk. He loves us. He invented this life. We shouldn't be surprised when life works best the way that he says and falls apart when we run away from him. And we haven't even taken into account what happens after you die. Because Jesus says either heaven or hell. And then you'll realize living the life wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And so Jesus says to you tonight, are you finding that? Are you finding that it's not going as well as you hoped? Don't you feel like you're missing something? You've run away from the only one who can complete you. And so for the party boy in our story... He wants to go back to his father. He wants to go back. But he thinks he's blown it. He thinks there's no way he could ever go back to the way things were. Have a look at verse number 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him. And then he starts to rehearse his speech. Do you ever do that? Um, you rehearse the speech and you say to someone, when I crashed my car, I was like, I wonder how I'm going to say this to my parents. Dad, I had a car accident. Oh, that sounds really dramatic. Dad, I hit a little bit of a tree with my car. 
I can't remember what I actually said, but I was rehearsing my speech. That's what this guy's doing. Listen to it in verse 18. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And Jesus wants us to see ourselves in this. This is how we should be feeling. We've done that to God, haven't we? God, I don't want you. I just want your stuff. But do you get what he's saying there? I was an idiot to leave my father. And I've hurt him and disrespected him. And I've blown it. There's no way my father would take me back as a son. Maybe he'll give me a job. That's as high as his expectations are. It'll never be the same as it was, but at least maybe it'll be better than what I got now. And so he turns around and heads home. And then the most amazing and surprising thing happens. Now you've got to understand that back in those days, the father of a family would never run. It was humiliating. That's what little kids do. You'd have to pick up your robe and it would be really bad. But listen to what happens. Picture it like the scene at the end of a movie. Verse number 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Now, how did the father see him? He was looking out for him. He was waiting for his son to come home. And then you keep reading verse number 20. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And it's an emotional scene because you see the father's enormous love for his son. He runs. Who cares what people think? My son is home. And so verse 21, the son starts to try his speech. But verse 22, the father says to his servants, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. I just love how happy this father is to have his son home. Did you notice that he's fully back into the family? It's not just a job. He's a son. And you know, because he gives him the best robe that the father has and a ring and sandals. I don't know why that's so good, but it's in there. And then they celebrate. And I'm picturing like the fat dance party on the last night with feast and a DJ and smoke machines and lasers and, and all that. I don't know if I had that back then. I doubt it. But you get it. They're celebrating. And this is where you see the first wrong idea about how to approach God. Because this younger brother, this party boy, he thinks that he's blown it. He thinks that he can't come back. Now, he has blown it. He has. That's true. But Jesus is saying this, even though you've blown it, you can come back. Now, we'll come back to that in a second. But I want to show you the older brother, because there you see the other wrong idea about how to approach God. Here's the other wrong idea. It's thinking... I've earned it. There you go. I mean, what do you reckon that the older brother is thinking about all this? How would you feel if your little brother or sister came home? Who likes their brother or sister? Not half of you. (laughs) Who would actually be secretly a little bit glad if their little brother or sister ran away to Vegas? That's disgraceful. (laughs) I'm sure they're not that bad. 
Now I heard of someone who was I heard of someone who was reading this story, and right at this point, they got furiously angry, like can't talk, hands shaking, kind of angry. Why? Because it's so unfair for the father to treat the younger son like that. It's so unfair. And that's actually how the older brother in the story reacts. Have a look at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the DJ and the dancing. So he called one of the servants, and he said, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's come back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Is he stoked that his little brother's come back? No, he's angry. Now, if in the story, the younger brother party boy guy represented crazy sinners, who do you guys think this older brother represents? He's the good guy. He's the moral guy. He's the religious guy. Look at verse 29. He answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. This is religion. I've kept all the rules, I've ticked all the boxes, I've earned it. And I think this is where the story actually gets most shocking. Because actually this older brother's relationship with his dad is just as broken as the other brother's was. Look at verse 29 again, look how he speaks to his father. All these years I've been slaving for you, I've been serving you. The language is like a servant and a master, not like a father and a son. And then you start to realize something. This relationship is messed up. He's standing outside the house and he refuses to come in, verse 28 says. He didn't go and talk to his father directly. He sent a servant to talk to his father, verse 26 says. He doesn't love what his father loves. He's not glad like his father when the brother comes home. In fact, verse 30, it's almost like he blames the dad. He doesn't even call him his brother. He's like, This son of yours. Now, do you get what's wrong with this picture? Do you catch on yet? I'll tell you what it is. It's in verse 29. This guy bases his whole relationship with his dad on how well he thinks he's obeyed. He says, I've never disobeyed your orders. Now, guys, this is religion, what this guy's doing. I've done the right thing. I've earned it. And this is where we see that everything you ever thought about how to approach God is wrong. Because that's not what it's about. No, son, you haven't earned it. I wanted you to love me, not just tick the boxes. I wanted a relationship, not just religion. And you're so blinded by your rule keeping that you don't realize that you don't love me. You're so blinded by your self-righteousness that you don't realize that you're as far from me as the worst of sinners. That's why in verse 28, the father goes out to him, just like he goes out to the younger brother, the party boy, and he pleads with him. And he's pleading with you tonight. Because if tonight you think you've earned it, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you. You haven't earned it. And you're just as far from God as as the worst sinner. And don't go around looking down on other people like 
and, and other sinners, like you're not one of them. You're so far from the heart of God because he loves them and he loves you. And he longs for all of his people to come back to him. And he wants you to feel that way too. You know, Jesus doesn't want EV youth to be full of older brother religious types. And if the party guys, if the sinners, if the outcasts are repelled by you or repelled by EV youth, then maybe we're more like that older brother than we'd like to think. And so if this is you, you actually need to turn back too. You need forgiveness as well. Stop clutching onto your list of do's and don'ts. Ask for forgiveness. And enjoy a relationship with your Father in heaven, not just rules. And here's Jesus' main point. It's the heart of God, a Father's heart, a love that longs for his people to come back to him, which means that it's wrong to think that you've blown it so you can't come back. And it's wrong to think that you've earned it. Because the truth is, you have blown it. But you can come back to him, not as religion, but as a relationship with your father, the God who made you and loves you. I want you to know tonight that God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God loves you tonight. There's actually nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And tonight, he wants you to come home to him. Tonight, you've got to turn around. You've actually got to come back to him through Jesus. Saying, God, I do want you to be my God and Father again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for blowing it. I'm sorry for even thinking that I could earn it. Please forgive me. Forgive me for living that way and thinking that way. Thank you for Jesus who came to save. Guys, tonight the God of the universe is calling to you. He's saying through this passage, come home to me through Jesus. If tonight you know that you're the sinner in that story, you need to go from sinner to son or daughter, which means leaving behind your sin and trying your best to live for God. But it's not about keeping rules. It's about a relationship. And so you do what God wants because you love him. It's not about earning it. And when you stuff up, he'll forgive you. You might think like the younger son did in this story. Yeah, but things will be different. I've blown it. It can't go back to being the way it was. Now, sometimes the earthly consequences of what we do happens. If you hurt those people, they'll still be hurt. But not God. With God, it will go back to the way it was like you never ran away. Why is that? It's because after telling this story, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. And his death takes away your past. And his death takes away your sin and it's gone. Christians tonight who've done dumb things. Some earthly consequences of that might remain. But if you are trusting in Jesus, nothing has changed in your relationship with God. You know, sometimes it feels like we've run away. Just come back. He's ready to welcome you home again. He still loves you. 
and it will be like you never left. In fact, do that daily. Keep trusting Jesus. Keep turning back to God. And maybe you're not a Christian tonight. Don't think that you've blown it so bad that you can't come back and don't think that you've earned it. Just hear Jesus tell you in this passage about God's heart and his love. He's standing at the end of the driveway on the street waiting for you to come home. Come home tonight through Jesus and join the party. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for your love that longs for sinners to come back to you. Father, I pray that tonight, if there's anyone in this room who up till now thought that they'd earned it, I pray they'd realize that you're saying they haven't earned it, that they failed to love you, which is what you wanted more than any rule, and that they would turn from religion and rules and come to you through Jesus, trust in Jesus, and have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room who up till tonight thought that they were a sinner and and they realize now, yeah, they are a sinner, but they thought that they'd blown it. I pray, please, that right now they would trust in Jesus and turn from being a sinner to be a son or a daughter of yours, to have a relationship with you. And I pray that all of us would live knowing your heart and showing people your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.